How many of you guys would admit that when you watch a movie, whether in the theater or watching television, that you are a screen talker? You're one of those people that actually thinks or yells out loud, don't go in that room. Run! What are you thinking? That was so dumb. Don't go there. You find yourself saying it. Maybe you don't say it out loud. Maybe you just say it in your head. When I watch a movie, a lot of times what I do is I'm one of those people that notices all these really, really dense women that are still trying to run in the, the four-inch heels when the bad guy's coming for them. It's like, kick off those shoes. Do you realize that quick second of kicking them off, you're going to run lots faster than trying to scurry like this. So that's what I do. But, um, you know, I, I've been one of those people that actually have had those screen talkers in the movies with me. And if anybody knows me, you know I'm kind of like uh, particular about my movie experience. <laughs> I don't really like to be bothered very much. Um, so I've had these people that honestly, there's some guys that I just love though. I have to admit, I love them when they sit there and they laugh so much, even when it's not that funny. But you find yourself actually laughing and enjoy the movie more because they're laughing and enjoying the movie so much. You're like, what's wrong with me? This is funny, I guess. I should be laughing more. So anyway, what happens in those moments when we do, want, do the screen talking is we want to warn somebody, right? We see the danger. We know the bad guy is just around the corner. So we're thinking we want to warn them. We want to have, there's something inside us that says, warn people of danger. Well, that's one of those things that we definitely have to think about. And also, I was thinking about the fact of this idea of warning people. How many of you guys grew up in a community that had the neighborhood watch signs all over their communities? You know, what it would actually say to people that might want to actually commit a crime, that there's actually people in this neighborhood that are watching out for each other that we care about our neighbor, that we're going to notice something out of the ordinary and we're going to go and say something to the authorities. Well, there's another program that also you might become familiar with after 9-11, and it was called See Something, Say Something. And what it was was a, a program designed really to help us to fight the war on terrorism. And what it was called to do was that it would actually have these slogans everywhere that they would put up on buses and on buildings and they would run ads on television that would say, if you see something out of the ordinary, something that looks suspicious, then go say something to the authorities. So I was thinking to myself, hmm, that could preach. There's a message in there somewhere. The idea that you see something and that you would say something. Well, when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how us as really brothers and sisters in Christ are really way more responsible for each other than a lot of times we think about a lot of times we really don't understand that there's something to be said for caring about your fellow brother and sister in Christ. Now, I, I would say that this, this program that they had was very successful over the years. I mean, they say that normal, everyday people were the ones, a lot of times, to be the ones that found a pipe bomb or, you know, were the ones that actually saw a cooker bomb or they actually saw a suspicious thing that could have really devastated their communities. And I was thinking, you know, this is a program that we as churchgoers, people that actually are part of a congregation, part of a, a group of believers that we should do ourselves, that we actually should live in a community so much that we notice what's good, what's bad, what's abnormal, what's normal, and that a lot of times when we see something that's happening for, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe something that they're doing, something that you're seeing, that you also would say something. I think it's a really simple but brilliant strategy when you think about it. And it's really something that all of us should really take heed of and think about. So those of us who go about our normal lives, we come in contact with these people that we would call our brothers and sisters in Christ. And those are those that believe in Jesus Christ like we do. 
that serve alongside of us, that maybe we've developed friends with, maybe we're in groups with, or maybe we just go to church with when we talk on a regular basis, and you start to see something. Maybe you start to see something that maybe they're going down the wrong path, or you start to see something that maybe they're allowing in their life that's not so good. And really, it's up to us sometimes to say something. Well, God's word tells us that we are supposed to watch out for our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we're to care for them, especially when they're young in their faith. And I think that so much of us don't understand that. You know, we have new believers that come in. They accept Jesus as their Savior for the first time, and they come into a community like this, and then a lot of times what happens is you start to see little things that start to take place in their lives. And you think, should I say something? Should I say something to them or not? And I think that God would say, yes, if you do it with love. If you do it with love, you can say something. Well, I think that a lot of people don't really take that into account. They don't think about the fact that we could actually be really either helping someone to grow in their faith or really, by not saying anything, derailing their faith. And I think that a lot of times what happens is we think a lot of times, well, we're just being judgmental. Well, if I say something, they're just going to get offended. If I do this, they're just going to have a comeback and they're going to leave the church. Well, I think that God a lot of times really wants us to step out and say something sometimes that we don't say, and a lot of times we have to answer for that. Well, I think that a lot of times when we don't see something or we don't say something, it's because of two things. One is we don't see the dangers that they're actually walking into, or two, we just literally choose not to say anything despite the fact that we see that they're going the wrong way, despite the fact that you could see them actually falling apart in their faith or or going down a a trail that's really going to leave them nothing but heartbreak. So either what happens is we have a sight problem or we have a speech problem. And I think if we have a sight problem, we don't see it, then we have to ask ourselves why that is. Why don't we see it? Why is it that we as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ aren't seeing the dangers when other people are walking into it? I think it could actually be because we become accustomed to the world a little too much. I think the world has a lot of influence on us. And a lot of the things it tells us to do and a lot of things that it says it's okay with is actually not okay when it comes to God. And I think that we a lot of times have become so accustomed thinking that we can actually play both sides of the fence, that we can actually dabble in a little of this and and still serve God. And we think, well, I do that. Is it really that bad? So why would I say anything to somebody? It's, I don't even notice. It's not that big of a deal. I think a lot of times we've just become way too comfortable in this world that a lot of times we don't even recognize the dangers that our brothers and sisters could actually be walking into. Well, Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Well, I think when the... the Scripture says this. It's actually saying that we need to be transformed. And to have that happen, what we need to do is we actually need to be reading the Bible. Now, if you've been coming here any length of time at all, that's probably in almost every single message that we speak. That we want you to read your Bible. It's super important for you to be doing on a daily basis, even if it's a small amount. You know, we always make it clear that there's Bibles here that are free for you. And if you've taken 10 and you need another, we will give it to you gladly because we totally want you to get God's word in your hands and start to let it transform you the way God's word says it does. See, what happens when we read the Bible is it actually, like, cuts apart things of us that we, we thought were okay. A lot of times we'll read something we're like, I didn't really know that that was something I should think about. 
And when we read it, we see that there's some dangers that God actually warns us about. But if we're not reading it, we don't see the dangers ourselves. This, a lot of times, is the reason why when someone does say something to you, you're kind of like, back off. Who are you to tell me? But if you read it yourself, you'll recognize that there's actually godly advice that they're giving you in that. Well, the world is a crazy place. We all know that. You know, it allows things that we as followers of God should never take part in. And few people, a lot of times, are told, really, that it's not okay. In churches, all the time, I see people allowing certain things to take place, and no one says a word, which kind of gives the idea that if we don't say anything, a lot of times, that it's acceptable. When we don't say something's wrong, what we come across is that a lot of times is that everything is okay, that what you're doing is acceptable. And a lot of times, it's not and a lot of times we feel something in ourselves. We're like, well, you know, maybe I should say something. Maybe, maybe I should, you know, I do notice this and I should say something. But yet we're like, eh, am I going to be the one? The one when everybody else around them is acting like it's okay? Am I going to be the one to step out and say this could be a danger to you? And I should tell you and can tell you, yes, you should be the one. Well, Ezekiel 12.2 says, Son of man, you live among rebels who have eyes but refuse to see. They have ears but refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious people. You know, the world's ways are going to get you farther away from God. And God has better for you than that. I think the world offers us really just, you know, plastic, mass-marketed garbage. Whereas God offers us this amazing life that, is a, that could be just filled with so many blessings. And it's, it's crafted for us in a great way if we choose to read his word and start to live according to his plan. You know, I was kind of thinking, how could I explain this? How the world lives and, and how we would live and follow, you know, the world's ways or we would live and follow God's ways. And I was thinking about like a, a beautiful piece of furniture. If you look at a beautiful piece of furniture, you can see how it's crafted. You know, that it's made well. You can see all the joints fixed tightly to each other. And you can see that the, the drawers are dovetailed, that the finish is beautiful, that everything's wonderful about it. And you look at it and you think, wow, how amazing. But if you look at a piece of furniture, not knocking Ikea, but, you know, because there's, there's some good things. We have a lot of Ikea here in this church. But if you look at something that's not made as well or something that's mass marketed, you can see a lot of times if you look closer at it that the drawers are just hammered on or stapled even sometimes. They're not dovetailed. They're not beautiful. The finish maybe could be a little bit marred. Not a lot of time is taken. You could see a lot of times the spray marks where they just sprayed something on quickly. No one took the time to work the finish in. That's the difference between God and the world. See, God has this beautiful way, this craftsmanship that he's actually put together for us but instead, what happens a lot of times is we just accept this mass-marketed garbage instead. We accept it. We think it's okay. You know, we buy this piece of furniture and we think, okay, you know, this furniture is just going to last a short amount of time, right? It's going to fall apart, and it's okay. I'm just going to throw it away and I'm going to get another. Many relationships have been like that. But I can tell you that if you do it God's way, if you look at life the way that God crafted it to be, it could be amazing for you. It could be so blessed for you if you actually look at it the way that God would want you to look at it. But the problem is, 
that some of us who say we follow God, we've allowed the shabby things of the world to be the norm instead of just wanting and a lot of times waiting and even expecting something better. I've seen this happen over and over again. Someone that's looked and waited for a spouse and then someone comes along and they're like, ah, good enough. Before long, it's like that dresser out on the curb, another relationship thrown away. Instead of something that could actually be really, really beneficial and, and great in your life. A lot of you out there sometimes, you think the world's way and you think that crumbs are good enough. That that's enough for you. And God says, no, no, I want you to have the whole enchilada. I want you to have the whole thing. I want you to have so many more blessings. I want you to have life and have it abundantly, not just here on this earth, but also in heaven, that you could have so much more. And I think a lot of times because we have that mindset, you aren't able to see that your fellow brothers and sisters are seeing that crumbs are good enough too. And that's a dangerous place to be. I think some of you, aren't reading the Bible and aren't following God's ways, so you yourself aren't seeing the problem with some of the people that you're dating. Sadly, can I say sleeping with, which is totally against God's laws. He makes it pretty clear if you read his word that we're not supposed to be sleeping with someone outside of marriage. Pretty clear, yet Christians are doing it all over and in churches everywhere. Again, accepting crumbs and still expecting God to bless them when God says he doesn't have a part with sin. That's harsh, I know, but it's truth. A lot of times what happens in that too, because you're living that life, you know what happens? All these kids that are following after you, your children, the people that you teach, the people that you come in contact with, you can't teach your kids anything different because you yourself did it. So you have no right to go off and say, this isn't acceptable because you've already compromised all that. A lot of times what happens, too, is you can't encourage your friends to live a better life because you yourself chose to make a life that was poorly crafted. So God instead tells us to be transformed, not conformed. If we don't, we aren't going to see something, which means that we won't see all the dangers that are lurking ahead for us, for our kids, or for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, this is not a popular message None of you are going to be up there and go, yay, Deb, teach it. It's not going to happen. I know that. If I told you guys God's waiting to bless you and pour blessings, you'd be like, yay. No one really enjoys when you have to get a little bit of a slap on the wrist. But God's word tells us that we need to encourage, rebuke, and correct as pastors. So we need to actually do those things. And a lot of times we don't take serious the warnings that God gives us through our pastors. Now, a lot of times, you know, we just keep in this, living this life and we think it's going to be okay because it looks good for a short amount of time. Eventually, the facade cracks. Things fall apart. You know, God's word tells us that we need to listen to the truth and, and not listen to those who are going to lead us astray all the time, away from God, even if they seem like a really good friend. I've had friends that I loved and appreciated, give me really crappy advice that was not godly at all. And, you know, we have to stop and think, what are we comparing it to? Are we comparing it to God's words or, or just the way the world's living? We have to listen to the truth and not just listen to anyone who's going to lead us away. 
Romans 16, 17 says, And now I make one more appeal. My dear brothers and sisters, watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. Stay away from them. Stay away from them. You know, the thing is, why we read that? We just go like this. This is how we read it. Romans 16, 17. And now I make one more appeal. Dear brothers and sisters, watch out for people who cause divisions, upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. Stay away from them. No, he says, stay away from them. Exclamation point. There's going to be people that you literally cannot hang out with anymore. You cannot be their friend if they're going to lead you farther and farther away from Christ. You have to make the decision, who are you going to follow? Are you going to keep following the world's ways? You're going to follow God's way. You know, it's direct, but it's truth. Can I be really honest with you? Really honest. Please, I beg of you, quit giving bad advice to other Christians. Quit giving bad advice. Your advice is ridiculous. And you make it so much harder on us pastors who are trying to direct people to God, and you're tearing them farther and farther away from God. Because you're telling them that sin is okay. It's okay. Well, let me tell you, it's not. And it's not just because you did it. It's not because you sinned that it's okay to tell other people to sin. It's not okay. You know how many ridiculous conversations I've walked into as a pastor here at this church? Many. Many ridiculous conversations. Some I jumped into and I gave my two cents. Some others I walked away and just prayed. But one I remember, sitting in a building, talking a whole bunch of women, Christian women, that they would call themselves Christian women, sitting there talking about another girl that wanted to date somebody and literally telling her, someone new in their faith, that you should date him. He's a really nice guy. So I said, is he a believer? Well, no, he's not a believer, but but my husband wasn't either when we first met. But yet the Bible, if you read it and if you're transformed, it tells us do not be unequally yoked. If someone who's a believer, you don't, prod them on as a new believer to date an unbeliever what's wrong with you so i was like that's wrong that's wrong you need to date someone who's a believer that's what you need to do sadly this girl didn't heed my advice instead what she did was she heeded her christian friend's advice she ended up with the baby and she has no dad for her husband good job good job Makes me wonder how many divorces could have been avoided also if it hadn't been for other Christians giving bad advice. One, well, if you're not happy, maybe you should leave. There's nothing in the Bible that says you get to leave just because you're unhappy. Nothing. Nothing in the Bible that says that. There's other reasons why we can get a divorce, but not just because you're unhappy. Another, well, I don't think it's wrong at all for a married person to hang out with single people. Baloney. It's foolish. It is. It's foolish. It's a foolish thing to do. You know, why don't we learn some, from somebody that had best practices like Billy Graham who actually decided he was never going to ride alone in a car with someone of the opposite sex when he was married. He was never going to be alone in a room with them because it was temptation. Why put yourself in that position? Why even put yourself in a position of ever being accused of anything if you hadn't done anything? Dumb advice. How about, I think that having sex with the person that you're engaged to is fine because you're planning on getting married, so it's okay. 
wrong until you are in that covenant, you are still supposed to treat. This is what's really crazy, guys. Did you realize that unless you're married, you're actually supposed to teach, treat somebody that's of the opposite sex as a brother or a sister? You're going to be making out with your brother or your sister? Think not, unless you're living somewhere else. <laughs> guys, it's serious stuff, though. Why are we as Christians constantly giving bad advice to these other Christians? You know, it sounds harsh, but let me tell you, Jesus was harsh. Jesus was harsh over and over again. He told it like it is, and he didn't worry about whether or not he offended anyone, especially those people who were leading other people astray. Matthew 15, 12 through 14 says, Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize that you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? And Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. So ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they'll both fall into the ditch. Sometimes I think we have to admit that we could be blind guides. Blind guides giving bad advice, which is going to lead us and others right in the ditch. So I think what Jesus is saying is that someone who isn't able to see something, that's actually going to cause them to go farther away from them, then they have to be blind to the truth. Now, if the problem is not seeing something, and it's saying something, I'm going to tell you a little story. There's a story of two men who lived in a small village that got into a terrible argument that they could not resolve. So they decided to talk to the town wise men. The first man went to the wise man's home and told his version of what happened, and when he finished, the wise man said, you're absolutely right. The next night, the second man came and told his side of the story. The wise man again responded, you're absolutely right. Afterward, the wise man's wife said, those men told you two different stories, and you told both of them that they were absolutely right. That's impossible. They can't both be absolutely right. So the wise man turned to his wife and said, you know what? You're absolutely right. There are people out there who will avoid conflict over and over and over again because they don't want to be the fly in the ointment. They don't want to be the one voice that steps out and says something. That might be abrasive to somebody. But people do anything a lot of times to avoid conflict. But you need to understand something. Change will never happen without conflict. Conflict happens when we have all these different things that go on in our life and we have to start making choices. But through conflict, change happens. It's so important for us to realize that if you think back to your faith, if you think back to the very beginning when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, to me it was February 28, 1993. When I accepted Jesus as my Savior, I went through a lot of conflict. I went through conflict with friends. I went through conflict with my husband who did not understand the difference that I had become. He would say to me all the time, Deb Savage, which was my maiden name, was so much different than Deb Graper is. And I don't know if I can compete with this God that you love now. That was conflict. I had friends that always thought I was going to do things the way that I always did them, and all of a sudden I had to not do them like I was doing them before, and it caused conflict. I had a way that I thought my life was going to go, and God turned it all upside down, and it caused conflict. But, you know, I would never go back, and I'd never change it. Thank God for that conflict. Thank God for those circumstances that I actually got to make a choice that actually led me to a life that I have two kids that love God and are raising their own kids to love God. 
and a husband that seven years later came to know Christ and is serving in kids' church today. God is so good if we allow God to really change us and and to make a difference in our life. Conflict is going to be something that you're going to have to deal with at the very beginning of your faith, and you're going to have to deal with conflict throughout your faith. Till the end day, it's going to be conflict. We all know those things that we've had to deal with as a believer. There's conflict all the time. If you're going to think that you're going to ever skate by without offending someone or someone offending you in church, good luck. It is going to happen, and it's going to happen quickly. And if it hasn't happened, it will happen, and it could be now. Right now. (laughs) I could be offending you, and it's up to you to make the choice of how you're going to receive it. You know, people are going to be offensive sometimes. I think a lot of times we really don't receive correction very well. A lot of times what we have is we have what God says, that stiff neck thing. You know, we're a little too prideful to think that someone could be telling us something. You know, especially, guys, if a woman tells you, or especially women and men, parents, if your kids tell you something. A lot of times you're pretty prideful and you can't be told something. You know, I learned probably the, some of the best correction I ever had was from my husband and my kids. When I didn't respond well to something and they'd say, Mom, not, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't say that. You know what? There's times we could walk away and become offended or we can actually learn and grow and be challenged to become better people than what we were. But it's up to us how we're going to decide to handle when we get, you know, have somebody come up and see that they saw something in our lives and then they say something. How are we going to handle it? Are you going to get offended or are you going to accept it? You know, I think if you would see a fellow brother or sister in Christ dart out into the road, and you see a semi coming at them, and you were to run out there really fast, and you push them out of the way, you would be called a hero. And everybody would be like, wow, that's awesome. Good job. You saved someone's life. Unfortunately, I think what happens a lot of times if we say something to someone who's following after God, they would just call us a busybody. Well, you're nosy. Who are you to say what you said to me instead? And I think in those experiences, what we have to do is really accept the fact that God will actually be calling you the hero. Because you might have actually stopped them from going off the road and eternally damaging everything that they had hoped for and dreamed for in their life. You're going to have to confront a brother and sister sometimes if you're a true friend. Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. So, so true. So true. Much better than having somebody sit there and flatter you, which let me just tell you because I've been youth, I've taught youth group for a long time, long time. And I would always explain that if you actually read the definition of what flattery is, that it's totally, again, the world's definition is totally different from what God said. Flattery is insincere praise. So when somebody actually says that, you know, when someone says, oh, you look nice today, and they say, I'm flattered, what you're actually doing is calling them a liar because they're telling you look nice, and they're actually flattery is insincere. So it's it's totally backed up and confused in what people think. You know, we have to be willing to actually be sincere, friend, sometimes actually step out, say something, actually be abrasive and hurtful sometimes. 
to get people to understand that there's a different way to live. Some friendships can become closer when you decide to say something. But I can be honest with you that some will not make it. Some will not make it. And there are the ones that I'm still heartbroken over that it didn't work out. I've had someone who was once a very close friend. And I remember the day, clear as a bell, when they actually sat there and said, you know, I really consider you my pastor. If you ever see anything in my life that would be taking me farther away from Christ, would you please tell me? Don't ever hold back. Make sure you tell me. And I said, yeah, definitely. I will definitely do that. And it all worked out good until that time came. Until that time came when I said, you know, I don't think this situation's good for you. I could see problems ahead. I could see this relationship not being good for you. I, I really don't think this is going to work. And you know what? Everything fell apart. Our relationship has never been the same. Our friendship has never gone back to the way it was before. It's sad, but those things are going to happen sometimes. I've had someone, when I shared what God said about some, something in their lives, sin, outright sin, that they didn't receive it, and they left. But it's important for us to actually step out. You know, I've had people that actually were not just, you know, having a drink, but you started to notice that they're, like, posting on Facebook all the times that they're drinking. Not just one drink, but five, six drinks. Or they're going places that maybe is not going to be good for them. We start to see a pattern in their life of what they're doing and what they're commenting on. And after a while, you know, Facebook is a terrible thing for you guys that are bad Christians. It's terrible for you. Because it's the worst thing ever because it tells on you all the time. I mean, it's just like I have always said, you know, show me your social media and I'll show you your future. Because, dear God, there's some things I'm like... You willingly put that up? I'd be hiding that. What's wrong with you people? You're proud of that sin. Sad. I'm always like, whatever. But you know, the thing is, you're going to have to say something to somebody sometimes. You're going to have to be willing to be the one voice that says something. I've also had friendships where actually I've said something to someone. They heeded the warning. They cared enough to understand that I love them. That's why I spoke that to them. And our friendship only grew. One that I actually received a message from this morning. I remember clear as a bell, um, a girl that actually helped us plant the church, Gina. She started to date this guy, who she is now married to. And she decided she was going to go down and visit this guy. She was going to travel like three hours away to see him, and she was going to go visit with him and spend the week. And I said, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think you know him well enough. I don't think the experience is going to be good for you. I think you should wait it out, and you should get to know each other in a longer distance first. Let's, let's see how it goes. Now, she was raised in my youth group. Matter of fact, she texted me this morning, and she said, Thank you, Deb, because 15 years ago today, you led me to salvation, and how thankful I am to you. And, you know, when this, th- these things happen, she, she didn't like it. She didn't like it that I told her, don't go, because they'd planned a whole weekend. But, you know, she was actually smart enough to listen. She said, yeah, I think you're right. I think I should probably just get to know him a little bit more first. And I said, yeah, do that first. They're married and they have two kids. You know, sometimes you just have to be the person that's willing to step out and actually offend somebody 
or cause them to rethink something, which no one likes to change their plans, right? No one does. But you have to be willing to do it. You know, if you decide to not say something, I can tell you by experience, it only delays the inevitable. It really does. It just delays it. Because if you say something and they leave, what happens otherwise, guys, if we don't say something, they go about their way, they get farther and farther away from God, and they eventually leave anyway. So just say it. Just say it. Say it with love. I'm not telling you to walk up and be all, like, offensive in someone's face. I think you have to have some street credit. You have to have some relationship there where you actually could speak into someone's life. But I will tell you that as pastors, you're here every week. We see something. If we ever were to say something to you, you should actually just think, okay, well, maybe I should think about that, not just walk away and just pretend like, oh, well, I don't, I don't care. I'll just go to another church. Well, that same problem is going to follow you there too. So good luck. Well, God tells us to be accountable to each other. It's his desire that we help a brother or sister when they need something. That means when they need a nice warm coat or they need something, they need food, they need help, they need a pickup truck to move, they need those things, we're supposed to help them. That we're there as a kind shoulder for them to cry on from time to time. But a good friend also warns each other of danger when it's up ahead. If we don't risk you know, everything to do that, we could ruin their lives. And we could actually risk our own lives in that too. Ezekiel 33, 4 through 6 says, Then if those who hear the alarm refuse to take action, it is their own fault if they die. They heard the alarm but ignored it, so the responsibility is theirs. If they had listened to the warning, they could have saved their lives. But if the watchman sees the enemy coming and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people, he is responsible for their captivity. They will die in their sins, but I will hold the watchmen responsible for their deaths. Do you understand the responsibility you have for a fellow brother and sister in Christ? You have a responsibility. It's not your right to stay quiet because God says that we actually are held accountable to those people we come in contact with on a daily basis. If we love them, that we should share with them what's a danger to them. Otherwise, we are held accountable. Now, this world says, no, no, you're all on your own. But I can tell you, in God's truth, when you're transformed, you realize that there's more ex- ex- responsibility that we have to accept in that. So it's so important that we see something that we would say something. You know, I was thinking about this throughout the Bible, how God always points out that we're supposed to care for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I thought to myself, what's the one that actually really jumped out to me? It was the one that's in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis. When Cain and Abel... We're walking through the garden of the beautiful place, you know. Actually, they were, I guess, out of there by then. (laughs) Eve was probably out of there by then, and so was Adam. But the first one's born. And actually, they're walking around, and, and, you know, Cain had already gone, and he'd killed his brother Abel out of jealousy. And God walks up to him, and he says to him, where's your brother Abel? And Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? And I think at that moment, God would say, yes, yes, you are. You were your brother's keeper, Cain. You actually were supposed to care about him, that you were supposed to take care of him, that you were supposed to be there for him, that you're supposed to be there to actually like warn him of dangers and protect him. You are your brother's keeper. So when he asked him that question, I think God would say, yes, yes, you are. 
That, at the very beginning, throughout the whole entire time, up to Revelation, God points out over and over again how it is that we're supposed to care for our brother and sister. We have a responsibility for them that we have to take seriously because it could actually make the difference between eternal life or eternal death. I think it's sad that we don't do that. I think it's sad that we actually just keep quiet and we think, we'll just go about our own business. Why should I get involved in theirs? When God would say, it's all your business. It's all your business if you say that you are a fellow believer with them. Don't stand by and allow your brothers and sisters to be eternally lost just because you didn't get closer to God. To know his truth and you just kept your mouth shut when you should have said something. We have to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And we have to be transformed by God's word so that we can go out and we can actually do the work that God called us to do. That we would save our brothers and sisters. That we would actually try to save them from eternal destruction. That we also would think about the fact that we have a responsibility in it and that we have to answer for it when we don't. Let me pray for you. Well, God, I just pray that this message, Lord God, that was harsh and that was very direct. Lord God, that we would receive it that we wouldn't walk away just stiff-necked and offended, but, Lord, we would actually realize that there is some responsibility that we have to carry, that we have to guard our brothers' and sisters' lives, that we have to care about those who are young in their faith, that we have to be willing to step out and offend sometimes when we don't want to. Lord, I just pray for each person that's here today, Lord God, if they're struggling with that, if they've seen something and they've not said something, that they would step out and they would do so. Lord, I pray that if all this message just sounds like a bunch of hooey and it doesn't make any sense, that they would actually go back and start reading God's word, your word, Lord, so that they would actually be transformed so that they could start to see. Lord, we thank you for all the things that you do for us. We thank you for saving us and for saving our friends and our family. And Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.